right, well, good morning again. Welcome. It is so good to see you. And, and come on, it's the second Sunday, so I think I can still say it. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year. And uh, it's a new year. And it's a new day. And I'm believing a new season for your life. A good season. A season filled with hope, God's goodness, and His abundance and peace in your life. And um, I'm just so grateful to have you here. And uh, can we do a favor for all our first-time guests and just celebrate them, welcome them this morning. So honored that you're here. Also, if it's your first time joining us online, we, we're so grateful that you're here. If you happen to be in person and it is your first time, I do want to let you know that we have a small gift for you. No strings attached. Listen, we don't have to get a card from you or anything. Just simply at the end of service, you can stop by our Next Steps table. We've got a little gift, a little gift bag we've put together with some coffee gift cards in there and some other treats. So uh, it's something you want, all right? So make plans to get that. I do want to highlight a couple things um, and uh, just want to um, kind of cover them before the message. And so I also want to let you know, if it is your first time, we got your lunch covered, all right? We have today a newcomer's lunch right after service upstairs in our Hillside Cafe area. And so we've prepared for you. And so we'd love if... Uh, if you can join us for that, or if you've been coming, of course, for the last several weeks or maybe for a few months, and you're like, we can make it today, all right? So um, we've got you covered, and parents, we have your kids covered too. Glory. So it's, it's sort of like a lunch date with a pastor and at the church, you know, so. Um, but then also, listen, we like to kick off the year right, and you know how you kick off anything right, you fast. Amen, somebody? Right? <laughs> So this is usually the most joy-filled, excitable season as a church body, and I know this year will be no different. And uh, we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow, all the way from January 10th through January 30th. We're going to have some things online, so if you don't follow us on social media, you want to make plans to do that, we'll have some short devotionals for you, and you can find out more about that at hillsidechurch.us forward slash 21 days. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with that this morning. I'm grateful. Today's message, it's going to help you out. Come on, let's start real quick. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I am about to be helped. All right. I'm about to be helped. And then turn to a different neighbor and say, it's about time. <laughs> it's about, it's about, it's, <laughs> I shut. Some of you aren't smart enough. Uh, don't don't say that to your spouse. All right, we'll just we just. <laughs> I'm not trying to stir the pot. But today's message, the title I've settled on is quite simple. But I do believe I don't say this with with any any arrogance because the message is is founded in Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. So I give all credit to Him. But I believe it's going to be some profound truth. For your heart today. It's a simple message, don't be distracted, or excuse me, a simple title, don't be distracted by the title, but you're about to be helped. Today's message is titled, Managing Mean People. All right? Managing Mean People. Now turn to your neighbor and say, good luck. No. All right. 
Proverbs 18.21, the first portion of Proverbs 18.21, it's one of those life verses. It just, it's, it's stuck in my heart, and it's perpetually before me. It says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Think about that. The tongue has the power of life and death. And if you've been part of Hillside for a season, you know the message is usually... Watch your words. (laughs) Which, listen, that hasn't stopped. I still encourage you to watch your words. But as a pastor, I've seen time and time again, experienced it personally, that in our journey with God, we are saved. We become aware of our sin, if you will. We become, not if you will, we become aware of our sin, period. We become aware of our distance from God and how we need His saving grace and mercy. And deep within us, we know that God has not only saved us, but through the work of the Holy Spirit, He's transforming us, where it's called sanctification, into the likeness of Christ. And it leads us into a life where our souls are thriving, where we're living at peace, and hope is around the corner. doesn't mean life is perfect, but we know that we're on a journey from where we were, Egypt. We may have a season in the wilderness, right? Like Israel did, only supposed to be 40 days, ended up being 40 years. And then it shifted to the promised land. One of the things I've noticed between the wilderness and the promised land are obstacles. If you've never experienced an obstacle in your life, perhaps you will. (laughs) But here is one of the greatest obstacles I've found. Mean words. Discouraging words from another. It's a tactic of the enemy that the enemy uses to strip us of our confidence and to steal our joy. Just think about that. Mean words, a tactic of the enemy, strip us of confidence, right? That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus, there's power in your name, right? The odds are stacked for us, not against us. And oftentimes these obstacles are found in mean words. I have here, mean people are a weapon of the enemy designed to intimidate you and knock you off course by stripping you of your confidence and stealing your joy. When you and I are stripped of our confidence and our joy is stolen, we can quickly remove our eyes off God and fixate on the difficulties we find ourselves in. Quick poll again for us this Sunday. I know I did a poll last Sunday, but how many of you have ever encountered a mean person? Why don't you just lift your hand? All right. The rest of you, we want to invite you immediately to join the prayer team. Don't come up for prayer. You on the prayer team. You just pray over us. But no, on, a, on, a, on I wouldn't say necessarily a daily basis, but often in our lives, the enemy knows what God is doing. And oftentimes when we get a revelation of the goodness of God, the promises of God over our life, when we step out in faith and trust Him, listen, the enemy doesn't say, you know what, guys, let's call it off. Let's let him have everything God wants for him. No, (laughs) the enemy sends an assault artillery to cancel, 
to distract, to try to defeat the word and promises of God over your life. We're a church that believes in the promises of God over your life, in your, uh, in your singleness, if you're single, in your marriage, if you're married, in your workplace. We don't believe you have to live under, but you can live above, that God does incredible things. But if you think about it, have you ever heard this phrase? People don't quit bad jobs, they quit bad bosses. Maybe that's new for you. Okay, let me say it again. People don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad bosses. Well, what's in that? There's a truth in that. Power of life and death are in the tongue. And it's important that we realize this in our lives. And we're going to just kind of discover and look at a story out of 1 Samuel 17. And in David's story, part of David's journey and his uh, if you will, walking forward into the promises of God, there were some, there were some intimidation tactics that he had overcome. But let me bring us all up on the same page. You may uh, be a little confused today and wondering, where are mean people found? Well, let me answer a few for you. In families, with friends, doctor's offices, restaurants, neighborhood HOA meetings, PTO meetings, Facebook and Instagram, in school, parents, your children's sports teams have some mean people around, and even sometimes in church. And I think about the season of life. When, when, when can, can the enemy start using these tactics against us? He can use them from a very young age, in our childhood, adolescence, as a young adult, even in adulthood. You think about this, again, don't get distracted by the simplicity of it. But Jesus, he managed mean people by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was so rooted in his identity in Christ that he was not consumed with the fear of man because he was consumed with the fear of God, if you will. Living in awe of God, fixing his eyes on God. One of the tactics of the enemy is through a mean comment, through a mean phrase, through a tone that was blindsiding you, a text you received on the way into work. What those are, those are tactics meant to strip you of your confidence in Christ. And they're they're not only stripping you of your confidence in Christ, but they'll remove your joy your peace. And it's so interesting to me. I've noticed times in my own life of just how one word. Come on, you can have a hundred encouraging statements and then one word. Come on, anybody. Have you ever just fixated on the one mean phrase and rolled it over and over and over? Could have been maybe perhaps in your family of origin a statement was said over you. Man, you will never amount to squat, and squat's a churchy word. They may have used another phrase. <laughs> you may have gone, gone, gone to sleep at night and seen nothing but, for lack of a simpler term, meanness abounding in your home. And you were being discipled, but you weren't being discipled in the ways of God. Nobody was equipping you for the life ahead. And even for some of us, nobody's equipped us Spiritually speaking, intimidation is the cheapest tactic of the enemy. 
it costs him, let me run the digits, this isn't a six, this is a zero. It costs the enemy nothing to intimidate us. It costs him nothing. Fear, I've heard fear, the acronym for fear. False expectations appearing real. Fear costs the enemy, you guessed it, nothing. And a mean word, a mean person, they don't know they're on assignment. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't know any better. But they oftentimes can be a tactic of the enemy to halt us in our tracks. And so often this happens when, come on, have you ever noticed, man, you're like, hey, it's a new year. We're back in church. We're going to stay steady. Come on, two weeks in a row, somebody. You, hallelujah. You know, but then all of a sudden the enemy starts tactics against us. It's remarkable. But today I want to encourage us. 1 Samuel 17. You have it, 1 Samuel 17. It's a story you are probably quite familiar with. It's King David. At that time, he wasn't king yet. He was still on that journey. But in 1 Samuel 17, I'm not going to read the whole portion, but the primary story, if you're taking notes, 23 through 37. 1 Samuel 17, Samuel, why is it called Samuel? Samuel was a prophet of God. And in the story of Israel... Israel cried out for a king. God answered the cries. He warned them, but he answered their cries. First king, King Saul, not a good story. Second king, David's not rosy, but it is a good story. He was considered a man after God's own heart. First Samuel 17, perhaps the most famous story of David's life, the battle with Goliath. And the way that story happened is through snack delivery. David's brothers were on the front lines with the army of Israel. David's dad, a man named Jesse, called David off of the hills as a shepherd and said, Hey, need you to deliver some cakes, some cheese, some Gatorade to your brothers. And so he sent him on a journey, and David just went all the way. And David arrived. He arrived at the army, and he was just kind of taking in the scenes, and he could smell fear throughout the camp. He saw perhaps some of his heroes crippled with anxiety, crippled with fear, broken, in a state of disappointment and despair. He said, what's going on? Well, they were in a battle of intimidation. The Philistines, without even one draw of their swords, They simply put their toughest military man, Goliath, who was a giant and tremendously strong, they put him on the front lines. And so Goliath would have his daily routine, and he would call down curses on Israel and shake his fist at God. That's it. Intimidation. Intimidation, again, it what? It cost the enemy nothing. Intimidation only works by the level we allow its influence in and over our lives. Well, David showed up and he said, this must not happen. I'm going to take the guy down. And everybody was confused. David's confidence was rooted in who God was for him. He was not insecure 
and he knew his identity. And so he was confounded by this confusion. Well, in the middle of sensing the promise of God, in the middle of getting a vision for what should happen next, one of David's closest family members, his older brother, Eliab, spoke up, and here's what he said. He said, why have you come down here? What are you doing, younger brother? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness, you punk? I know how conceited you are, David, and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. In a nutshell, David on the cusp of promise, on the cusp of fulfilling God's word over his life, David with the Lord doing a great work on the inside and walking closely, what does he encounter? He counters a mean person. Snide, cynical, condescending. To which all of you with older brothers said, feels familiar. (laughs) It's the power of intimidation. Again, don't lose sight. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. The enemy causes us. He distracts us so often by getting our eyes off the promise, trusting God's word over our life, He gets us fixated on the statements, the negativity that others can bring in to our daily lives. Jesus would say in Luke 6, 27 through 31, but to you who are are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the call of Christ over our life. And maybe you've had some bad doctrine spoken over you that you can't be like Jesus until you get to heaven. Not totally true. You can love your enemies. You can call down blessings on those who curse you. You can be so rooted in your identity with Christ that you can actually throw off the anger training you received and the reactionary responses you were discipled in, you can actually throw off that way of living and receive, as Josh said in the ministry moment, your new life in Christ. And part of our new life in Christ is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can counter meanness with kindness, despair with hope, disappointment, frustration with the peace of God in and over our lives. And so I want to give us a few tools on how to manage (laughs) mean people. 
When we're faced with a mean word, I want to encourage you, we should be like David in 1 Samuel 17, verse 30. Little insight on David is the moment his brother Eliab responded in the way he did. Scripture says, verse 30, it doesn't say that David countered his brother. It doesn't say that he, you know, got his fist out and threw some stones in to warm up on his brother before going after Goliath. It doesn't say David went and got drunk because he didn't know how to handle the pain. It doesn't say he went and got addicted because somebody was mean. All very real things that happen in people's lives. Hear the truth of God and his invitation over your life. Here's what it says David did. He then turned away. He didn't give it attention. He didn't let it take root and begin to cultivate it. He just turned away. Our identity in Christ turns away from the tactics of the enemy over our life. We turn away. We don't give something more credence than it's due. We turn away. The truth is, when these disparaging comments, when somebody is mean towards us, I just want to empower you a little bit today, all right? I want to empower you a little bit. The truth is, you, everybody say me. Me. You determine its level of influence. Some of you grew up and you're like, no, 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 I don't. they said. Okay, so they said, but what did you do? It's so easy to live life focused on they said. No, 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 shut they said down. Focus on what you do. Because listen, it's time we wake up that if you think you're just going to stroll into the promises of God over your life, wake up. There's resistance from the enemy. There's spiritual warfare from the enemy. We're not just co- man, just coasting. This is this is me coasting, by the way. Man, I'm just coasting. It's just just easy. Just just easy. Have you read Acts? <laughs> it's not like the Holy Spirit came and the early church was like, "Well, this is easy." Resistance, 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 imprisonment, resistance. What did they pray? God, make make me comfy. No, God, give us boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, one of the biggest wake-up signs I had in my life, I think I've shared this with you before, I'm reading a book on parenting. That's what I'm doing. I'm reading The Intentional Parent by Danny Silk, I think it is. (laughs) And I was like, this is really good. I'm just... It's kind of like, all right, thank you, Lord. Slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit starts working on my heart. Danny Silk starts talking about a, a concept called love and logic, a children's development edu- uh, kind of perspective. And I was like, man, this, this, is, really, this is really interesting. And, and I keep reading, and I keep reading, and it's, it's talking about how as your children come of age, they begin to step into their own responsibility and so when it's time to address them or discipline them, make sure it's rooted in, in some responsibility with boundaries. And I'm like, oh, this is really deep. Okay, thank you, Lord. And I just, I like, I don't know how you are when the Lord is moving in your life, but sometimes I start tearing up and I have to 
catch my breath. It's really good, though. Let me say that. And so I'm, <laughs> so I'm like, whew. Like one of those, because I realized, I realized 35 years of my life were lived as a victim. I kept replaying, they said, they did. So you know how God works. Children's book. And I'm reading. And I realized, wow, I've been living as a victim. And it's great. I was a pastor. We just started Hillside. Aren't you very grateful? And, 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 I, and I was subconsciously living. And it was like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was like something was just stabbed. It was just like broken off of my life because I realized it, it's irrespective of what they say, I've got an identity in Christ. I've got prophetic words. I've got promises. I've got the scriptures themselves that declare Paul the promised land, living in abundance, living with hope, living with not confusion, but clarity on who God is and who he's called me for, for me to be. And, and, and I started receiving these promises and I realized, man, the enemy's tactic, he's, he's going to use, believe it or not, he'll use other Christians. To be mean. Not y'all. None of you are present, but he'll use other Christians. And man, it'll just zoom. It can just suck the life and the confidence and strip you of your joy. And so I'm reading and I realize God's like, hey, you, you determine the level of its influence. Sometimes I've let the influence of man have more influence than God himself over my life and over his purposes and over his plans. I'm telling you, great tactic of the enemy is that he will, he will use words. Man, he uses words and statements. And I'm not saying mean people always have intentionality, though, most of the time they do. But sometimes they don't even know the brevity of what they're saying. But the enemy latches onto that and it's like a dart to our inner being. And so we've got to be careful not to believe the lies of the enemy. We've got to be careful as Christ followers to see the tactics of the enemy over our life. So we determine the level of influence. We, we determine the length of influence, and here's the truth you determine what happens next. There it is, I've just made you responsible. You determine what happens next. Well, I'm just gonna quit my job. Okay, did God tell you to? I don't know, but bad bosses. No, maybe God's guiding you. Maybe he's directing you. Maybe he's not asking you to pull the plug. Maybe he's asking you to stay the course. Maybe he is asking you to quit. That's also on the table. But make sure you get a word from God. And maybe, maybe God's not asking me to quit my marriage. And you're like, but they mean. Like they've been trained in meanness and negativity. No, I know it. I know it. But what have you been trained with? Who's inside of you? What promise has God whispered over your marriage, over your family? Huh? Latch into that. 
and move forward into all that God has spoken. Y'all are either hungry or receiving today. I don't know, but I'm going to believe the latter. So, some recommendations and we'll close. When the word has been spoken, move heaven, move earth to return to your identity in Jesus Christ. Move heaven, move earth, (laughs) leave work early, tell your family you need a minute to go pray and return to your identity in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. You have to ask yourself from time to time, did God know you would encounter a mean comment, a mean vision, Did he know you would step into a negative environment? Yes. But he also knew the promise inside of you is greater than the culture around you. And so we've got to return to our identity in Jesus Christ. Two, this is similar. Spend, I put here, special time. (laughs) Spend special time in the Lord's presence to receive his healing on the inside. You think about that. Spend special time in the Lord's presence to receive his healing on the inside. Listening prayer. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. For these 21 days, I'll try to share a little bit on it here and there. If you've not been formed in listening prayer, all you perhaps have known is talking prayer where you're doing the majority of the speaking. I want to encourage you that you can learn to hear God's voice over your life. There have been deep wounds on the inside of my soul. There have been things people said. You've heard me say this. Self-confidence was not my strong suit. Rejection was. And so sometimes people would make a comment and it would have way greater brevity than it probably would for you. But I learned, oh, hold on. I don't have to hang on to this. The Holy Spirit says, Jesus would say, hey, I'm a wonderful counselor. I'm the comforter. I actually believe the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John 15, 16, and 17, where he describes, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Get excited. One of my favorite things about the Holy Spirit is the healing and inner healing he brings. Because I know the sting of a hard word. I know what it's like for people that don't even know you to act like they know you and tear you to shreds. It's hard. It can make you begin to question everything in your life. And the enemy just laughs in that moment. And so this year, we're going to turn the tide of the enemy over our life. We're not going to give him any more room. We're not going to let his lies linger in our soul. No, what we're going to do, we're going to begin to cultivate some listening prayer up in here and let the Lord speak over your life. Have you ever heard him, ladies, have you ever heard him say to you, daughter, I'm so proud of you. Daughter, that was a hard year, 2021. You thought it was going to be different than 2020. Surprise! Daughter, I'm so proud of you. I remember now, my Enneagram, I don't want to get on all sorts of personality traits. I love personality profiles. We all have problems. You're welcome. My Enneagram is three. I was about to list some examples. I won't. But my anger, it's, it's called the achiever. 
And the achiever is driven with excellence and success is huge and the approval of others is high up on the list. You've wondered about my physique. How does he do it? I get this physique because I'm wired that way, right? This hidden, this hidden six pack. We also have available six months of fasting for, uh, no, okay. <laughs> but the achiever, listen, you, it's good to know yourself. In our growth track, we help you know yourself. Uh, don't let that scare you away. But you, you begin to realize how your personality is wired. And so, y'all, man, you're so confident. You're way ahead of me on this. <clears throat> you know, like every promise God's spoken of your life, you show up in your quiet time, you're just like... God is so good. I love you. And you could just dive right into intercessory prayer. Some of us, we gotta be like, God, speak to me. <laughs> like, as I remember, man, you wanna get me crying fast? Uh, I get in the presence of God and He's like, Paul, I'm just so proud of you. And I'm like, Are you sure? You know, we, no. <laughs> the achiever, I'm telling you. You know, and, 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 and here's, here's where it kicks in. I'm like, I know you're proud of me because I had a good week. I know you're proud of me because, look, I mean, people came to church. God, this is great. <laughs> you know, God, I know you're proud of me because, I, 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 you know, I wasn't mean this morning. <laughs> and it's 9 a.m. You know, it's, and I begin to list all these things, and, and, and God just sweeps in. He says, no, none of that. I'm so proud of you because you're my creation. And you're, you're my Beloved. You know, some of you, like I said, you're so self-confident. It's a good thing. You know your royalty in the kingdom. So you just walk around. You're strutting, you know. You just got it going on. Others of us, man, we're, we're getting there. We need your help. We need your encouragement. But can I tell you, listening prayer, spending special time in the kingdom, it's not enough to have an assault day in and day out through the week, and to just show up on a Sunday, sing a few songs, hear a message, and leave. It's important, best way to start the week. But there's a relationship with God that the Holy Spirit opens up as a comforter. He opens up as a counselor. He lets you know, can, can, can you just imagine with me some of the shame people feel when major areas of their life break down and it wasn't their fault? Can you imagine how vulnerable they are to the tactics of the enemy, to the trigger points that are like landmines set up by the enemy? I mean, sometimes people come through the doors and my prayer for that morning is, Lord, you heal the woundedness of their soul because it's real. We get to experience God, not just as Savior. <laughs> That's awesome. We get to experience him as inner healer, comforter, counselor. So that's why I believe we have such responsibility. I mean, you've got David, his older brother. You know, if anything, you want your family, hey, you're going to make it. <clears throat> you're going you're gonna, to, hey, you got it in you, David and Eliab. Eliab. He's just like, David, I know how wicked your heart is. I know how conceited you are. David's like, thanks for the vote of confidence. He had to overcome it. One of the marks on David's life was his intimacy with God. 
Psalms is full of David's love songs, his stories of how God is for him, not against him. It's remarkable. Fourth, this one's easy. Y'all will like this. Pray for the mean person. It's pretty easy, so I don't have to talk about that. But, um, I do like to tell people, mean people, they're not the enemy. You have an enemy. As Paul said, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. So maybe you have never known that. Maybe you, maybe you got saved, you were doing the church thing, doing the God thing for a while, and you've never been aware of the concept called spiritual warfare. Now, don't go casting out demons every time somebody says something mean to you, you know? <laughs> Be wise. Because a lot of times they have no idea. And it's the enemy coming across to steal your joy and to strip you of your confidence. And my last thought, when in those environments, walk away from the line of fire. I am well aware that there are toxic people on this planet. Sometimes they have no idea of their toxicity levels. Sometimes they do. Walk in safety. Also, remove yourself from the line of fire. Don't place yourself near them to just barrage you with meanness, negativity. Stand firm on the word of God over your life. Listen, my prayer for your life is this year, 2022, you would really lock in to who God is for you. Many times in church cultures, we're aware intellectually of what God has done. My prayer is that your soul would know deeply you are loved by God. You have been set apart. One of the phrases we like to say around here is, your past doesn't define you. God loves you. Your best days are ahead. We believe that. Your past doesn't have to define you. God loves you and your best days are ahead. I hope today has helped in some form or fashion on how to manage one of these critical tactics of the enemy. Here's a beautiful thing. You know how we get to live? Healed, whole, new because of God's work in us. So we get to step into environments. And when people are mean, we get to sideswipe them with the love of God. That's all you got? Well, get ready. And we just say, man, I'm going to pray for you because you're crazy. You can use that, you know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna bless you because you nuts, you know. What? Well, what are we gonna? We're gonna just release the love of God, the peace of God, the hope of God. Amen.